Hi, I'd like to welcome you to our show. I'm your host, Prang Medic. We're talking about life as a child of God and all things related to his kingdom. Thanks for joining us. If you're a new listener to the show, you can find articles and books and other resources on my website, www.prayingmedic.com. You can also connect with me on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Praying Medic. Now let's jump into this week's show. We all have senses. We can see, we can hear, we can taste, we can touch. But do you know that God also gives us spiritual senses? One of those senses is to see, to see far beyond what we can see in the natural and into the spirit. But what does that look like? How do you do that? And is it for everybody? Well, my guest today is Praying Medic, and he has written an awesome book called Seeing in the Spirit Made Simple. The wonderful thing about it is it is so easy to understand. It has like biblical backup, so you don't have to question it. But what's so great about it is it just makes you excited that God wants to give you a gift that he has given to so many people. So we would like to welcome you, Praying Medic, to Touch by Prayer. Thank you so much for coming on, and thank you so much for writing such an incredible book. I just love it. Hey, Lisa. Thanks for having me on the show. I am really glad that you like the book. I'm glad that it has blessed you. I had a lot of fun writing it. It seems to have helped a lot of people to understand what it is to see in the Spirit. Well, I don't think a lot of people understand that like seeing in the Spirit, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're seeing like ghosts and you're, you're seeing like dimensions. Some people do, but for most time, it's just an impression. It's almost like kind of like a daydream, I, I guess. Would that be a, a good way to describe it? Yeah, I think... The whole concept of seeing in the Spirit has been made kind of mystical and spooky, uh, especially people who operate in the occult and who operate in the New Age. They talk about seeing the spirits of dead people and things of that nature. So the whole concept of seeing in the Spirit can sound a little scary, but it is very, very natural. And yeah, it is a lot like daydreaming. A lot of people who see visions actually see these images or videos in their mind, in their imagination. And it's not like they're actually seeing something out there in front of them that is a ghost wandering around with a a knife dripping with blood. A lot of the preconceptions we get about seeing the spirit come from movies and books that are not very realistic. That's not really how seeing the spirit operates for most people. Well, I think like for me, when I started to get images, because that's what they basically were, they would be impressions, they would be images, but sometimes it would be God loves to use for me TV shows and cartoons. So I, I would see like a cartoon or I would see a television show. Like one time I saw um, the Brady Bunch. Now I was praying with somebody and I saw the Brady Bunch and I was thinking, why would, why would I see the Brady Bunch? And it was, but I saw it and I said to the person, I said, did you ever wish that your family was like the Brady Bunch? And the person started to cry. So (laughs) because it was a truth and the Lord was showing. So it wasn't that then the reason I bring that example up is because it's something that I know it's, it's something from my memory bank, but see, God can use stuff that's in our memory bank to pull back up, to also help to, to show us what somebody else is going through. That that's one of the ways that I see. Sometimes I see body parts. Sometimes I, I can see places. 
it just depends on what God is trying to say to the person. Some of the memories that we have, God will pull back up too. So it's not coming from a distant place. It's coming from something that the Lord is pulling back. Right. And that's a really good illustration of how God uses our ability to see in the Spirit, connect His heart, His knowledge through us with someone else. He gives us something that's maybe a little familiar to us and a little familiar to them. And we don't necessarily know the relevance that it has to the other person. I got a lot of feedback from the book, Seeing in the Spirit Made Simple. Once I explained that when you see visions and when the Lord shows you words of knowledge and things for other people, a lot of times it appears as just a brief flash of scene in your mind, in your imagination. Once people got that, they were like, oh my God, I think he's been giving me visions for years and I never knew it. I didn't know what it was. I just attributed it to something else. The, the fact is, when you when you look at all that that information that he shows you in those images and the videos and the cartoons, I get a lot of cartoons myself. If you tell the other person what it is that you're seeing in your mind, in your imagination, most of the time, they will start laughing or crying or have some reaction. And they'll go, oh my gosh, how did you know that? That's my favorite song, my favorite show, my favorite whatever. I've always wanted that. And then you can say, well, this is not me. This is the Lord. He knows that, and that's why he showed me this, because he wants to speak to you about that particular thing. And it's so cool how he does that. Well, I think that that's, that's the part about the book, because you really kind of go in depth into what is a vision. Like what, what, you know, also sometimes dreams, God will also give us dreams. And, and sometimes in the dream, we can actually have a vision, a spiritual encounter, or we can see something in the spirit as we're sleeping. And it's hard to like dissect what is dream and what is, is basically um, a vision. But you broke it down and you really kind of explained some of the ways to interpret, like, what is, what is this? That, that, that's the great thing about all of your books. Anything that, that you have written about made simple, it's like, what is this? What does this look like? And how do I do it? That's like, those are the three things that you can get when you read any of it, Praying Medic's books, because they really simplify what the church has tried to make very confusing. And it's interesting that you said the church has tried to make very confusing because I don't want to talk trash about other authors and and other speakers and other writers, but I think we do it unintentionally. I think people write about these subjects like visions and traveling in the spirit and hearing God's voice. And it's almost as if we feel like we have to make it sound mystical. We have to make it sound unattainable or like it's some special thing that only certain people are able to do. A lot of people nowadays are writing books about hearing God's voice, seeing the Spirit, seeing visions, interpreting dreams, um, things of that nature. My, my goal, I mean, everybody has a different goal. My goal is not just to share testimonies of cool stuff that I've seen God do. My goal is to take the nuts and bolts of what this stuff actually is and explain it in simple terms anyone can understand. I mean, if you have a seventh grade education, I think you could probably read my books and understand, oh, wow, that's what a vision is. Oh, that's where dreams come from. Oh, that's how you hear God's voice. I, I really do. And I even want to speak to people who are not Christians and right. and say, look, this is how God speaks to us. This is how he gives us revelation. This is how we hear his voice. My next book is going to be on hearing God's voice. Mm-hmm. But I talk a little bit about this in Singing the Spirit, and that's the idea that we have a spirit and we have a physical body, and we receive two different 
types of communication through those two different bodies. There's, you know, your ears and your vocal cords hear and speak through physical senses. But then we have spiritual senses, spiritual eyes, spiritual ears that hear and see things in the spirit differently than we see in the natural. So my book explains how the physical senses work and why it is that when you see a vision from God, how your soul interprets it, how your spirit receives it, you know, what it appears to be in your mind, and then how you interpret that information. That's really my, my desire is to explain how all this stuff works, take the pieces of the puzzle, put them together so that you can get a big picture of how it all works together. Well, and you know, what's so, what's so cool about this book is that, you know, you even put that you were a former atheist, like you didn't even believe in God, let alone any of these gifts. So you're really taking it from a perspective that's very different from somebody who like grew up in the church their entire life or had a relationship with God. And I think that's the other thing too. A lot of the people who do write some of these books have been churchy for so long that they forget how to communicate with real people, people who don't understand, but yet are are truly yearning to have a supernatural encounter with our supernatural father. Yeah, well, you know, I was an atheist until I was 38, and I really didn't have any interest in God, didn't have any desire to know anything about him. And so when I started writing books, my and my wife was an atheist too, until she was 40. So both of us, having come from a background of an atheist, we write to audiences of all different types. We, we really are writing to the unchurched people to say, look, if you are an atheist or agnostic, you don't believe in God, that's cool. We understand that. That's where we came from. Let us explain to you how God revealed himself to us, how he operates in our lives, how he shows us things, and why. A lot of people try to reach atheists like, you just need to believe the gospel and repent of your sins. (laughs) (laughs) Let Jesus be the Lord of your life. Right. Well, I mean, that kind of approach will reach some people, but it's not going to reach all of the people out there. And we're trying to reach people through uh, a sincere dialogue with them saying, look, if you've ever had dreams, if you've ever had these strange experiences, if you've ever felt like you've had deja vu, here's what might be happening. You, you might have heard this explanation, but consider that there might be a different explanation. Maybe God is showing you something about your life. Maybe he's revealing something about your family. Maybe he's showing you a divine purpose in these events that happen to you. So we're trying to speak to people in everyday events and things that happen to them so they have some understanding about what God is trying to communicate to them. Well, I think that there are a lot of people who are so hungry for, for, for answers. I think that's the other thing. Like there are people who they don't believe because they haven't gotten the right answer. But if they got the right answer, then they possibly could believe. So I I think it's almost like if we can get them to open up that Pandora box, then they can start to experience Jesus in such a way that, see, just like the thing with Pandora's box, once you opened it, like it was almost impossible to close. I think that's like how that story goes because he's impossible once you open him up, once you get into him, it's impossible to just put it down and just to walk away because he, he he's so personable and he's so unique 
to each individual person. So he is really a personal God. And I, I think that what you were saying, how you want to be relational to people who don't understand, you want to, them to understand that God is going to meet them exactly where they are. And so some of these books that you've written have really like helped a person to navigate who the father is, how the father operates, how, and, and this next book that you're going to write, you know, hearing the voice of God, that's going to be fantastic because there, there really is like a question, do I hear from God? Does God really talk to me? Like those are the questions that people want answered. Yeah. I think one of the problems with uh, mainstream Christianity is that we don't allow people to ask the questions they want to ask. We're trying to frame the discussion in a very narrow sense in that we only will validate certain questions and we ignore other questions. I think there's a lot of questions that make us uncomfortable. Yeah. And my goal is to allow people to ask whatever questions they want to ask, to pr- try to provide not pat answers that somebody else has regurgitated. I want people to be able to ask whatever question they have in their mind. And I want to give them a sincere answer that is both biblically based and experientially based, and that represents the true heart of God. So for the book on hearing God's voice, we provide some answers to typical objections that people have about hearing God's voice. But what what we're trying to do is the same thing we did with seeing in the Spirit Made Simple, is illustrate to people, look, you are already hearing God's voice. The problem is not that you're not hearing God, problem is you don't recognize his voice when he's speaking. Mm. So in the same way that I believe everybody has seen visions from God and everyone has had dreams from God, which is what we talk about in Seeing in the Spirit, recognize that impression that pops in your mind and go, oh, that was from God. I didn't, I never knew that was from God. What we're trying to do with hearing God's voice made simple is show people, look, we are all hearing from God. Mm -hmm. We're all hearing his voice and how to apply it to your life. So in this book, chapters on how God speaks through nature, how he speaks through music, through art, through film, through our conscience, through uh, stances of your life, there's a lot of different ways in which God speaks to us, and we're going to cover all of those different subjects. And give. So I, I think it's going to help a lot of people realize they are already hearing God. They just need to tune in, and I heard this, now what am I supposed to do with it? Right. And, you know, it's the first book that that I read, you know, um, Divine Healing Made Simple, you you broke things down, you know, and in seeing in the spirit made simple, you're breaking things down. So I'm sure you're going to be doing the same thing and hearing God's voice. You're just going to break it down. And the the really fun things that you can find in, in the books is that there is little exercises after each chapter. So you get to practice what was spoken about which I think is really, that's so important because even think about going to school. When you go to school and you learn a new chapter, there's always those little quizzes to say, did you get it? Because <laughs> if you got it, then then you can continue forward. If you didn't, then you have to go back and read the chapter. But I think that those pauses, and there there have been other authors who do do that. And I think that's that's I love that part. When I see that in a book, I think that really is showing that the person who has written this book cares that you're getting it. One comment that I got from readers of Divine Healing Made Simple was that they wish I would have written some exercises mm-hmm. at the end of the chapters. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't do that in the first edition. Mm-hmm. So when we did Seeing in the Spirit Made Simple, we put exercises at the end of the chapters mm-hmm. that people could do 
to train their spiritual senses. Mm-hmm. We're going to do the same thing with um, hearing God's voice made simple, mm-hmm. but we're coming out with a second edition of Divine Healing. So that it has the exercises the second, in it. Mm-hmm. The second edition is going to have exercises at the end of the chapters. I'm also going to add at least one new chapter on emotional healing and update some of the content of that book because we've learned some more things since we published the first edition three years ago. Right. And, and yeah, the exercises I think are really helpful. A lot of people have commented that it's been helped them a lot. Well, and just if you, if just I'm just going through some of the, because I have the book in front of me because I love it. And I have... Um, that it, it talks about angels and it talks about the how angels are, are that we can see angels, number one. That's part of seeing in the spirit that you can actually see angels. So that's that's part of one of the, the gifts that you can and that's part of the gift of discernment is being able to see either angels or demons then you can sense them. But see, when you start to operate in all the senses, then you can start to see like uh, glimmers and shimmers. I mean, I haven't seen an angel, but I have definitely have seen like angelic activity, I guess you could say, because, well, in my prayer time, I have seen, I have seen an angel, but like with my eyes open, I do, it's almost like looking at a gas tank. You know, when you go and fill up a gas gas tank and you see like those ripples in the, in the air because there's that gas or those fumes that are emitting, that's what I sometimes see. Not all the time, but when there's angelic activity, that's usually what I start to see, that there's a ripple in the air. So, and that actually happened after reading your book. I started to see more. So, as you start to pursue some of these things, I think that, that God like meets you where you are and he starts to give you more. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. Um, everybody begins at a different place, but you never end up where you begin. Uh, we all start, you know, seeing whether it's um, with your eyes closed and you see impressions in your mind or whether it's with your eyes open and you see those faint, almost invisible waves I think when Michael Van Vleiman was writing his book on singing spirit, he talked about staring into the distance across the room right, and looking at the space in between you and a wall. When Blake Healy wrote his book, The Veil, he talked about looking like if you're standing outside uh, and you're looking at a row of houses, looking at the distance between you and the house and looking for those shimmering waves and looking for any irregularities it sounds kind of strange. Mm-hmm. Never done this. It sounds kind of crazy looking at things that are invisible, but you really are. Um, you're you're trying to activate your spiritual eyes. You're not seeing so much with your physical eyes. Mm-hmm. You're seeing with your spiritual eyes, and you're trying to train those spiritual eyes to see things in the spiritual realm, mm-hmm. which can appear any way. It mm-hmm. can appear in a lot of different ways. But as you do this, these exercises, your spiritual eyes will become more sensitive. And you'll see more accurately and you'll see more often with your spiritual eyes the more you exercise them. And that's the thing that we're all writing about is exercise, practice, um, spend time uh, looking for things in the spiritual realms and you'll see them more frequently. Well, I think, and then one day you'll see them all the time. Well, it's, it's just like having your spiritual language. Like there are people right. who they, they get their spiritual language they, they start speaking, then they go, oh, I'm saying the same words. And so they stop. But what the Lord showed me is that just like in the natural, when a baby starts to speak, they say mama, then dada. 
And if that's all they ever do is speak mama and dada, then we would have 50-something-year-old people walking around go mama, dada. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the truth right. is that new words come in and the child starts to say, oh, this is cookie, this is cup. So now they're incorporating it into their language. And it's the same thing in the spiritual sense. As we start speaking in tongues, because we don't know what we're saying, we're saying the same thing. But if we continue saying it and continue speaking it and continue speaking it, all of a sudden you're going to get a new word. You're going to be like, hey, wait, I got a new word. Then you're going to get two more new words and then three more new words. And I, I just feel like it's that verse where it says, if you can be trusted with the small, you can be trusted with the large. Well, the, the concept of exercising your senses applies to all of the spiritual senses. There are just some people who believe that the spiritual senses are things that you're only given a couple, maybe one or two spiritual senses in which you're going to operate, and you're not going to operate in any other ones. So there are a lot of people in the charismatic and Pentecostal church who have begun to identify themselves as seers, prophetic feelers, because they feel emotions prophetically. There's a lot more people that are talking about it that I've known on Facebook. Some of them go by the name of an empath, right. because an empath has this strong ability to feel and empathize with other people. You feel their emotions. Right. So there has become this idea that some people have a gift or an ability, depending on how you look at it, to feel other people's emotions. And some people have learned that God is actually speaking to them prophetically through these emotions. God is giving them a prophetic burden for intercession or prayer or healing through the emotions that they sense. Right. Right. Well, that's all cool. That's all good. And you should learn to operate in that if that is one of the primary ways through which God speaks to you. But it's not the only one. It's easy to think, oh, I'm an empath. That's the only way God speaks to me. Well, no, it isn't. It's only one of the spiritual senses. Any person can learn to discern emotions of other people or the emotions, receive them from God. Same thing with seeing in the Spirit. Some people think, well, I'm a seer. I, God speaks to me through visions. Okay, that's cool. But God can also speak to you through emotions. He can also speak to you thought impressions. Right. He can also speak to you through smells. Right. All the spiritual senses are available to any one of us. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important for us not to get locked into only one or two modes of communication, and realize that God can use all of the spiritual senses for any one of us. But it is, like you said, it's you have to develop it. You have to develop a language. You have to develop the sensitivity to how he's going to speak to you through emotions and visions and aromas and sensations on your skin and everything else, because we all have the same essential spiritual makeup, and all of our spirits have all the spiritual senses, and you can speak through any one of them. Absolutely. And, you know, especially like smell, you know, that's something that not a lot of people talk about. There's a couple people. I think Kathy Walters talks about smell because she she smells things. But that was something that that was said to me, and I was like, what? (laughs) There are actually a lot of people who are led by the Lord through the aromas. Yeah. When they smell a certain aroma in worship— they can tell you what it is that the Lord wants to say prophetically through the aroma. Oh, that's so cool. Because like the aroma of flowers or cinnamon Uh or the aroma of oranges and citrus, each different aroma that they smell in the spirit speaks of something else symbolically that the Lord wants to convey. 
So I know people who can smell all these different aromas in worship, and they will actually speak prophetically to the group from the aromas that they smell. Wow. That's very cool. But with it the, is cool. What the Lord said to me, he said, he said that everything has a smell. He says fear has a smell. Victory has a smell. He did. This is like, I, sometimes he cracks me up because I'll be driving in the car and he's like, I'm going to open up your senses of smell so that you can smell supernaturally. And, and I do, I, I, I smell him. Sometimes he smells like roses, but sometimes he smells like a priest. That's the best way I can describe it. And I'm like, Ooh, ministering's going on tonight. That's for sure. So that, and Robert, Robert Duvall spoke prophetically in the movie Apocalypse Now. When there's this scene in the movie, uh-huh. where these guys are surfing on the beaches of Vietnam, and he, he's walking by this beach. He goes, "I love the smell of napalm in the morning. It's yeah. like the smell of victory." Yeah. Well, what he, you know, the guy who wrote that scene didn't understand what he was saying, but in reality, there is a smell of victory. There is. There definitely. And there is. I believe there's an aroma of healing. Yep. Yep. And, and sickness. There's an aroma for everything. Yep. There's also you can smell sickness. So, you know, there's... Well, you, and if you go digging through the Bible, especially in the Psalms, you'll notice that there's there's aromas associated with different things. Absolutely. So that's, so that's another sense that God can have us use and operate in. And, you know, sometimes I think he gives us different um, gifts because he likes to kind of shake us up a little bit, <laughs> kind of make us say, no how, way, how really? are they, yeah, how are they going to respond to this? Oh, wait, let me give her that, <laughs> But but to be quite honest, like the very first time I ever heard about Sears, I was working in a cosmetic department and this woman came over to me and she was very, very pretty, beautiful woman. And she was actually getting something for her daughter. And she she was talking about how her daughter was going to be going to Africa. And I looked at her and she was a well-dressed, you know, upper class, you know, white woman. And her daughter's going to Africa. I'm like, missions trip. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to sound that way, but that's the first thing that popped into my head. And I said, oh, um, is, is this a missions trip? And she said, yes, it is. And I said, oh my goodness, that's so cool. And we started to talk about churches. And she, I started to share some stuff that I, um, that I was seeing. She asked me what church I went to and I told her what church. And I, I told her, oh my gosh, during worship, this is what I saw. And then I saw this. And she looks at me and she smiles and she goes, you know that you're a seer. And I went, no, I had no idea what that meant. So I actually went to a Bible bookstore and, and to look for a, um, a book about being a seer. There's no, there wasn't anything. This was back in 2010 there were 11, 2011. So there really wasn't. I don't think James Gall writ, wrote his book yet. But I uh, there was nothing there. And she also said I was an intercessor. So the so there were like five books I think of an intercessor. Um, to, to understand about intercessory prayer. And the one that I saw was the happy intercessor. And I said, well, if I'm going to be an intercessor, I rather, I guess I want to be a happy one. So, so that it's was, book. it's a great book. And it, and, and it talks about being a seer. So I was so excited. I went, oh, it's true because the first person that I asked, I, because she was very like Bible, she, she knew the Bible. And so I said, oh my goodness, this, this woman called me a seer. And she goes, well, that's not good. I go, oh, it's not good. I said, she made it seem like it was good. She goes, no. She goes, there's a verse in the Bible that says, beware of seers and soothsayers. 
it's not good. <laughs> and I and I went, oh, oh no, oh that's not good. Oh I don't want I don't want that. Oh, so then I got scared. So then I want nothing to do with this seer thing. But see, that's what I'm saying is that these books, your book, Seeing in the Spirit Made Simple, demystifies and also authorizes the gift because you have the Bible to back it. It's not just like, oh, let me just write a book about what I think is okay. You have scripture in everything that, you, that you, you've that you shared. And you've also shared what God has put on your heart, saying that this is a gift. And, 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 and let's just even take it a step further, that on the mountain of transfiguration, is it possible that when both um, Peter and John, that they actually didn't see in the natural, but saw in the spirit, Elijah and Moses? Well, since Elijah and Moses had already passed into the great cloud of witnesses, yeah, kind of makes it difficult for you to believe that their physical bodies actually showed up there right? on the mountain. I mean, it's it could have happened, but I think it was they were seeing probably a vision or into a portal in time or having a trance or some kind of a spiritual uh, encounter there. But it was definitely something that that Jesus allowed them to see. Well, the interesting thing about that passage is the passage immediately before that one. If you go and read that, it says, there are those of you uh, who are hearing me speak who will not taste death until you see me come in my glory in my kingdom. Mm -hmm. Okay? The very next passage is the passage where they go up on the mountain, Mm -hmm. and they see the transfiguration, Mm -hmm. and they see Jesus talking to Moses and Elijah. Mm -hmm. Okay? And he is in his glory. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, it's possible that I think what Jesus was speaking to the disciples is saying, he said, look, there are some of you among this audience who are going to see me glorified in my kingdom before you die. Mm. The very next scene Mm -hmm. is him in his kingdom, in his full glory. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I I can't say for sure, but I think that's, he was actually telling them what they were about to experience. I know a lot of people who have had, you know, those face-to-face visions with mm-hmm. Jesus, mm-hmm. either visions or trances, or he's visited them in dreams. He's visiting a lot of Muslims in dreams yes. and visions mm-hmm. and revealing himself to them, and they're becoming Christians. That's right, because it's so real right. to them. It, it's not like a dream dream. It's like it is something that is so real, so tangible that when they wake up, they're like, oh my gosh, Jesus is the Messiah. Well, unlike us in the West, mm. Arabs have a high value for their dreams. Um, Arabs have not read a lot of Sigmund Freud. <laughs> and popular psychology that tells us dreams are just our imagination. Oh, that's Actually, so good. The, Ar- the Arab cultures, they highly value their dreams. Mm-hmm. In fact, in some villages, what the men will do when they get together in the morning is they'll talk about their dreams, and they will actually plan out what they're going to do as, as a village, as a community, based on the dreams that they've had. Because they know God speaks through dreams. That's interesting. That's you do not hear Arabs saying, oh, that was just a dream. Right. The Arabs take their dreams very seriously. Hmm. They know God speaks through dreams, probably more than most Christians do. Yeah. Which is why Jesus is appearing to them in dreams and visions, because they take their dream life very seriously. Mm. And God speaks to us through whatever we value. That's true. That's very true. Because I, I think that, especially 
people are starting to become much more interested in people's dreams. I mean, I I actually have somebody who comes on my show quite often and we do dream interpretation and people send me in dreams, but people still don't quite understand the significance of some dreams. Yeah. And they're no, most people don't. Yeah. They, they don't if they if they understand that God's speaking through dreams, that's one thing. Mm. But then they don't really tend to understand all their dreams very well. I mean, even though they know God's speaking, they're like, I don't get it. I'm the same way. I have some, as time goes on, my dreams are getting more mystical and more mm. cryptic and harder to understand. Okay. And I mean, God is really challenging me. And do you um, have the divinity code to, to help you along with that? <laughs> I have a bunch of books on dreams. Okay. I'm going to have to I send have you divinity... Gary, Gary Fishman's. It's very good too. I'll have yeah, to Yeah, that would be to you. cool. I have James Gall's book, Dream Language, which is my favorite. Oh, okay. I have, I have Ira Milligan's book, Understanding the Dreams You Dream. We have the Divinity Code. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big student of dreams. I, I want to understand dreams. And as I go along, God's making them a little more difficult to understand. Um, but I'm up to the challenge. I still am asking and trying to get the revelation he's trying to show me. Well, that's that Joseph and I will probably I'm probably going to write a book on dream interpretation. Yeah, myself. I was just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I said that's going to be that next. I actually, well, not that I actually want to, uh-huh. but I had a dream about four months ago uh-huh. where I was writing a book on dream interpretation. Yeah, yeah I was like, that's oh. going to be, that's definitely coming. <laughs> because you have a Joseph anointing. You definitely have a Joseph anointing. So well, it is my middle name. Oh, see? <laughs> Praying Joseph Medic? <laughs> That's a great name. <laughs> Do you want to know where I got the name from? Where? There's a really interesting story behind okay. it. Uh, I was born in 1961. I had a brother who was born in 1960, a year before me. He died uh. during delivery. Um, his name was Joseph David. Aww. A year later, I was born. The Aww. same thing happened to me that happened to him. Oh, so I almost died during delivery. Okay. But the doctor who had delivered, tried to deliver my, my brother, older brother who died during delivery, he was aware of the same situation. And they quickly put anesthesia on my mom, knocked her out, and they got me out fine and no brain damage that they know of. But my mom named me David Joseph. Aww. He was Joseph David. I was right. David Joseph. So there's a little connection there between the two of us. Yes. I can't wait to meet him Aww. in eternity. Have you had and dreams about him? I haven't. I've never had any dreams. I've had dreams where I've met other people. Okay. Uh, from the cloud of witnesses. I haven't met him yet, but I'm really looking forward to that. Well, ask um, your father. Say, let me meet my brother. I've, I've, <laughs> oh, I've yes, I need to do that, I suppose. Hey, you get not because you ask not. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. But, you know, people sometimes think that you don't, and and we were kind of discussing this um, that uh, earlier, that you can't basically talk to people who have gone on. But see, I, I told, I disagree with that because I, I've just recently started to see Sean Bowles on, um, on Facebook and he's been putting out some videos and like he sees stuff and you know what, quite honestly, like if, if, we can see in, in into the spirit, and and if some of us are able to gain access into seeing into the heavens, into heaven, then 
is it possible that the that the father who sees our our brokenness, who sees our hearts, wants to comfort a mother or or a sibling to say that your your child whom you love is with me and is fine? Like, doesn't that make sense to somebody? Because everybody's so quick to say, oh, that, that that's a false prophet. That's this, that's that. We sometimes have to stop speaking, especially being, you know, believers. We have to stop, you know, going against our, our own. And we have to start embracing that maybe, maybe God is just doing things to comfort somebody who's just so devastated. So I do believe that, that, we can actually hear from people who have gone on because both my grandmother and my father-in-law came to me in a dream. They didn't speak to me. And this is before any of this, before I got filled with the Holy Spirit and, and, and what I do now, like I didn't understand anything, but that gave me such comfort because I knew they were in heaven and they didn't speak to me with their mouth, but we, I was able to understand and they actually, and this is before I read the Bible, they actually showed me the things that were sick here on earth and they showed me that they were healed. Like my father-in-law had neuropathy on his feet. And so he showed me his, he showed me his feet. He picked up his feet and he was showing me his feet that they were perfect and that he could feel them. And he was smiling and he was so happy. So I, I believe that our father who is so good will sometimes give us glimpses into into the heavens, just to give us that comfort that we that we cry for while we're sleeping. Yeah, when you had this experience with them, mm-hmm. I'm assuming what you're saying is you had a transference of communication through thought impressions, but Correct. they didn't actually speak words to you. Correct. Yep. Okay. The same thing happened to me when C.S. Lewis visited me in a dream. Now, you opened up a can of worms. Well, I, I was I really going, hoping that this was going to come out, because when I, we... <laughs> Yeah. I have been wanting to speak on this subject for a long time, but I haven't had a chance to do it. Well, here we go. So here you go. You open a can of worms (laughs) and I am going to um, give you my my take on this. Okay. If you had asked me this question 10 years ago, I would have said that is absolute witchcraft. There is no way you can do that. The Bible explicitly prohibits and forbids speaking to the dead. Okay. Mm -hmm. Here is my take on this right now. The Bible does not explicitly forbid speaking to the dead because Jesus died. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we speak to him all the time. That's right. He is alive in the spiritual world as, as, uh, as a spiritual dead. person. What the Old Testament prohibits mm-hmm. is contacting the spirits of the dead mm-hmm. to gain information from them for personal gain or for strange uses. Basically... It is all about what is in your heart. Mm. God looks at the heart. Mm-hmm. Okay, Everything we do, it's all about the motives in your heart. Whether or not something is evil is not a matter of, did you violate whatever is contained in Leviticus chapter 3, verse 24? No, that's not how you determine if something is evil or good, or something is of God or of the, of the devil. You always determine whether something is of God or the devil by the fruit that it bears. Mm. It's not a matter of going and picking out verses and saying, well, this doesn't line up with Scripture. What you do is, Jesus said, you do not gather grapes from thorns. A polluted spring does not give fresh water. You know a tree by the fruit that it bears. If you want to determine if it is of God, of the kingdom of darkness, 
you look at the fruit. Period. End of discussion. You don't even have to look in the Bible to see if it is biblical or not, because that doesn't mean whether it's of God, because there's so many things in the Bible that both the enemy and God use, you can't really determine most of the time whether it's of God or the devil, based on whether it's included in Scripture. But if you look at the fruit of an experience, you'll always know the origin of it. How do we know that what the witch was doing when she summoned the spirit, Samuel, oh, Samuel. Was mm-hmm. witchcraft? Yep. Because the fruit of it was rotten. Mm. I mean, it just, that experience bore, bore rotten fruit. Mm-hmm. That's how you knew it was of the devil. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, if Samuel came to me in a dream and gave me revelation about some plan that the Lord had for my life, and I followed that revelation, and it bore the fruit of peace and goodness and love, if it bears the fruit of the Spirit, it is of God. If it's of the devil, it cannot bear the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, that's good. That's good. Right. That's that's a great lesson in discerning if you're hearing from God or if you're hearing from someplace well, else. That's, and I actually I talk about that a lot in the book on seeing in the Spirit and in hearing God's voice. The first thing you need to do is look at the fruit that is coming from this experience. Mm-hmm. Now, if, when your uh, grandparents, my grandmother, visited mm-hmm. you in a, your grandmother visited you in a dream, the fruit of that experience was peace. Mm-hmm. Is the enemy able to give you peace as a fruit of an experience with him? Absolutely not. Only yes, fear, because the because the fruit of the spirit of God is peace, right, and love. The fruit of the enemy is. Uh, fear, right? Anger, jealousy, mm-hmm. hatred, resentment, division. Okay, if that is the fruit, then it's of the enemy. If peace and love, faithfulness, long suffering, if it's the fruit of the spirit, then it is of the spirit. So, what I what I do is I look at these experiences and I say, what is the fruit that's coming from it? Now, when I had my a dream where C.S. Lewis came and visited me in the dream, and he Again, same with you. He didn't speak to me in words. I didn't hear his voice speaking. We spoke in spirit-to-spirit communication through the transference of thoughts, basically. And he was teaching me about writing, and he was teaching me to choose my words carefully when I wrote. That the words that I use, if I'm not careful, they can give readers the wrong meaning. Little subtle nuances in words can create a completely different reaction in the mind of a reader. And he used illustrations in his own life where he didn't choose his words carefully, and it produced a, an idea in readers that he didn't really want. So in this experience, C.S. Lewis is teaching me about writing, right? And what a better teacher than that, seriously. <laughs> I know. <laughs> my but seriously. Think, what's that? I said, that's just like, that's, that is such a father but that is such a good father to send someone who was so gifted and so respected to come to you, to teach you. Right. That's awesome. Well, even more, you're right, but even more to the point, think about this. For, for most people, now C.S. Lewis died in 1963, and he died, I think, of kidney failure. And I think he had a lot of things he wanted to do before he stepped into eternity, like most of us do. Mm-hmm. Like John Paul Jackson recently stepped into eternity. Oh, please. I know. <laughs> I know that John Paul Jackson wanted to do some more things before yeah. he checked out. Yeah. There are some things that have not been done that were on his scroll of destiny. Mm-hmm. 
So John Paul Jackson is likely going to be visiting some people. Me! To give them some, re- to give them some revelation so they can accomplish the things that he was not able to accomplish in his lifetime. All right. C.S. Lewis did the same thing. I'm sure he had some things he wanted to write and some things he wanted to convey to the world before he checked out that he would like to have gotten done but didn't get them done. So because my assignments are similar to his assignments, Mm -hmm. I think God gave him permission to come to me and teach me some things that would help me accomplish some things that he would like to have accomplished in his lifetime that he wasn't able to do. And I think the cloud of witnesses, I think is like that. Like I've, I've heard uh, Mike Parsons talk on this. He's spoken to and met a lot of people, members of cloud of witnesses, old Testament saints and new Testament saints and other people. And he says, you know, generally speaking, when you speak to someone from the cloud of witnesses, a lot of times, what they're going to try to do is if you're, divinely ordained assignments are similar to theirs. They're going to try to help you accomplish your assignments and goals with greater ease and overcome obstacles that you're having trouble with. And they're going to try to, to help you work out your own divine destiny with a little more ease and less trouble. Mm. And although there are a lot of people who have had encounters with the cloud of witnesses as relatives simply because there's a lot of anxiety and fear and concern about their death. Where are they now? Did they suffer? Where, you know, where mm-hmm. are they at? Usually when grandma and grandpa, mom and dad come and visit you in a dream, it's simply to give you peace mm-hmm. and knowledge that where they are is they're okay mm-hmm. and they're doing great and you don't have to worry or be fearful about that. Well, it's interesting because for me, um, my grandmother fell. So we don't know how she actually fell and how, and she broke her C3 vertebrae. And that actually helps right. to control the breathing, I think. Is that correct? Right. Okay. So she was intubated yeah. and she was in right. the hospital. They, they basically, I walked into the room to come to see her. And I, I said to my cousin, I said, she's gone. She's gone. She's gone. I, cause her spirit was gone. I felt it gone. Checked out. So we're, and I, and the, the nurse is trying to calm me down. No, oh, oh, it's okay. I'm like, Bleh. don't tell me I can see, you know, she's, she's gone. And what happened is she actually came back for free for a few minutes. She grabbed my cousin's hand. I, she, she, I started to rub her forehead. She tried to blink to come back. And I actually told her to go and be with Jesus. I actually said, go be with Jesus. Go be with grandpa. I'll see you soon. I love you. And that was, that was it. And then she peacefully left her body. She went to heaven. So I didn't ever have any doubts that she wasn't in heaven. But what it did show me is that she was healed in heaven. And that wasn't something that I knew. That was something that was revealed to me in a dream that I later learned through biblical teaching and through people telling me about heaven and what heaven has. And so there was confirmation that she actually came, that it wasn't just a dream, but it was a visitation. And I truly do believe it was a visitation, but it wasn't, but, and I was, and I was so happy to see her, but there have been times that I believe that I have gone to heaven in dreams that I have asked to go and see her. And then there was this one dream that I had that I asked an angel, I said, can I see my grandmothers before I, I go? And he goes, oh yeah, they're in the smiles room. Smiles room? Who makes this <laughs> stuff up? <laughs> the smiles room. And so I went over and I hugged them. 
I did hug them. They didn't respond though, which was interesting that I did get to see them and I told them that I love them, but they did not respond at all. Yeah, I, I think the responses and the ability for people in the spiritual world to interact with us is, is on a limited basis. Mm. I don't think that it's God's desire that they would communicate with us more than they need to. Correct. Um, because otherwise we're, we're going to get into some weird you know, behaviors and things that we probably shouldn't be doing. Absolutely. The question is, what is in your heart? If you are a person who's into reading tarot cards, Mm-hmm. and doing seances and mm-hmm. summoning the spirits of the dead mm-hmm. to give people revelation about their dead relatives or their future. And you're, you're taking $35 per reading to do this for people. Right. You're doing it for money. I you're not doing it for you're them. Probably, you're probably operating in the wrong spirit. Yeah. You're probably getting involved in witchcraft. Yeah. And yeah. you probably need to knock that stuff off. Right. But if you are simply seeking the heart of God, Mm-hmm. If you are seeking his kingdom, if you are asking God, I- I'm a little concerned about my, my relatives. I'd like to know, are they okay? Mm-hmm. If they visit you in a dream, I don't think you have evil intentions in your heart. And I right. don't think that that's sinful. The distinction comes from what is in your heart. Mm-hmm. If you have noble, pure intentions and motives, the enemy does not have really a place in your life to operate. But if you're motivated by greed, mm-hmm. if you're motivated by fame, if you're motivated by, you know, other uh, not so honorable motives, the enemy is going to rule your life and give you all kinds of experiences because you're giving the enemy opportunity to operate through these things. But if you're, but if your heart is pure and if you are simply seeking God, seeking the kingdom, putting him first, he is going to operate in those things as he wishes. And you're not going to be necessarily going to bed every night going, I, I want to see all these dead people right. <laughs> and I want to talk to them. Right. Um, it's, they come to you generally and mm. sometimes you go to them, but a lot of times they come to you mm-hmm. as the Holy Spirit, you know, allows things to happen. It's, it's a very um, natural process and the fruit of it is the fruit of the Spirit. It's Absolutely. peace, it's gentleness, long suffering, it's patience, goodness. And that's how I measure all this stuff. I don't get freaked out when people say they're having these experiences because I just look at the fruit. Right. And the fruit always tells you where it's coming from. Well, now I I just have to ask. So after, so when you had this, this dream with C.S. Lewis and he was telling you about choosing your words carefully, was there anything else that you would like to share that he, because I feel like there's some more, but I don't want to pry too much, but I feel like, because I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. I'm like, I know there's more. I know there's more. No, there really isn't a whole okay. lot more, uh, although I, w- I will say this. It wasn't the only dream I had with this. Okay. Actually, in writing the book, I'm hearing God's voice. Okay. So I've been working on that book for the last two months. So you've been co-laboring a- with C.S. Lewis <laughs> in the spirit. Lisa, there was a two-week span of time where every dream that I had involved C.S. Lewis. That's so cool. That is so cool. So... But- <laughs> The interesting thing is yes. that he did he did a um, he did a, a play called the Screw Tapes Letters, right? Well, 
I'm writing a novel based <laughs> on the screw tape letters. <laughs> Gee. You know, you probably know that. Uh, you know, that's so funny. So what's, um, what was so cool is that he was able to, to tell Christians how the enemy worked and he did it in a funny and, and, and kind of ficti- <laughs> fictitious way, but it really, right. but there's reality behind it. There's, there's motives behind it. There and, is great reality behind it in the screw tape letters is one of the best books ever written period okay and my do you are you aware of the bogren novel that i'm working on yes i am in fact i think i actually prophesied that it's going to become a movie (laughs) and people (laughs) got very excited about that (laughs) yeah so those series of stories that i've been working on right short stories it's gonna become a novel yes that i can't wait to read written it's essentially written in the style of the screw tape letters. And that's what I it felt. It's a look, right. It's a look behind the veil mm-hmm. so you can see what angels and demons. Now, I'm going to see, Lewis didn't really uncover what the angels were doing. Mm-hmm. This was a confidential correspondence between screw tape and Wormwood. Right. And their interactions regarding uh, a couple of clients that he had. Well, I'm going to involve angels uh-huh. and the Father and Jesus and a lot of, of the whole host of spiritual uh, beings, and you're going to get a behind-the-scenes look at how they operate and how they work in people's lives and how God is using angels and how angels give us revelation and dreams and how all this stuff works together in this series of books. I think it's going to be a, at least a trilogy. Okay. I mean, Bogren is just going to be getting started, building some characters, giving people a grid of reference as to what this is all all looks like. And then um, I'm going to try to work out some more principles in some later books. But yeah, I, I love the idea so much that I I had to write a novel. And I love writing fiction. Um, it's so It's more fun than writing nonfiction. I love creating characters and dialogue and basically dictating the Holy Spirit. I sit down at the computer, I ask the Lord, what are these people doing? What? How does the dialogue flow? Where are they sitting? What are they talking about? And he just starts to give me thought impressions Wow. and images in my mind, and I just dictate and write whatever I hear and see. It's, That's awesome. It's so much fun. I have no idea where the book is going. I haven't written any plot lines. I haven't written any uh, narratives out. I just, I don't know where it's going. I'm just trusting that he is going to build the story as I go. Oh, I definitely agree, agree with that. And the, that's that's the fun part about collaborating with, with the Lord, because when I write, uh, even though they're little teeny tiny things, but he tells me what to write. Like he just tells me what to write. So I, I always say that I don't write. I'm just a good secretary. <laughs> because Exactly. He's, There's nothing yeah. more, more awesome than dictating the Holy Spirit. That's right. <laughs> so good. That's right. And, and some <laughs> of the things that are, have been so funny that, that he's kind of shared with me, like he once was um, talking to me because I, I wanted to write something about who the Holy Spirit was. And I was trying to kind of do like a little blog about who the Holy Spirit was. And the only thing I could think of was Jiminy Cricket from Pinocchio. That's it. You know, I'm like, Jiminy Cricket, don't do that, Pinocchio, you know. So I thought, well, that's cool. And I heard the Lord say, but there's so much more to that story. And I was like, huh? And then he started to give me this entire dissertation about how just like the book that Geppetto created 
the the uh, Pinocchio because he wanted to have a relationship with the son. And the father said, and so that's how I felt. And I created man. He said, but when Pinocchio became alive, he didn't want anything to do with the father. He wanted to go and try to find fame and fortune. And he said, but then he realized that fame was short lived and the fortune would be stolen. And then he said that then Pinocchio thought that he could run and hide in the um, in the amusement park. But the longer he stayed in the amusement park, he said that he was actually being turned into a slave. And he said, and that's the same thing with my children. They try to run away from me and hide in the world. But the longer that they're in the world, that they become slaves to the world. And he said, and then Pinocchio, when he turned into a donkey, was thrown into the into the ocean. And he said, and a big whale came and and ate him. And he said, just like Jonah, Jonah was disobedient. And so he was swallowed by a whale. He said, but, but just like Pinocchio, he said, when Jonah repented, he was, he was pushed out onto land. When Pinocchio started to repent, he heard a voice and it was his father because his father was searching for him. And he says, and I will always go and look for my children and I will be in the belly of the whale. And he said, when Pinocchio repented and gave his life up to save his father, Geppetto, he was then brought home. He was, the blue fairy came and saw him. The blue fairy turned him into a new boy, a new creation and turned him into a life boy. And he says the same thing is with Jesus. When somebody repents of their sin, turns from their wicked ways and is willing to lay down their life for me. He says, then Jesus comes and turns him into a new creation. And he goes, okay, now write it. I went, are you kidding me? <laughs> are you kidding me? I can't write that. I said, people will think I'm crazy. And I, and he was all day, just write it, just write it, just write it. And so my daughter, I was cooking dinner. My daughter was watching uh, Family Guy. Right? That's what they do. So my daughter's watching Family Guy, which I wasn't too thrilled with, but I walked into the into the living room and I'm like, come on, Sam, come and eat. And all of a sudden on Family Guy, I hear, well, don't you know, Pinocchio, that you're not supposed to do that? And I went, are you kidding me? <laughs> family Guy has Pinocchio? and I, I mean, and that was it. That was it. That's when I was like, okay, I'll write it. And that, literally, he just he just did the whole thing. And he explained it. He gave me verses and everything. And it was just, it was so quick. It was so efficient. And to, to this day, it's one of my favorite blogs. Well, you're going to have to give me a link to that because I love that uh, analogy. Yeah, it's called, Are We Living a Pinocchio Life? <laughs> that's, that's cool. But see, those are the things that the father does, is that he takes the things that we're passionate about. So you're passionate about writing. And you've written such amazing books and he's giving you even more books. And he's, and, and he's even allowing you to hear people that have influenced your, your, the way that you like to write because C.S. Lewis, as you just said, he, that, that screw tapes letters is one of your most favorite books in the world. So why else wouldn't he give you that person, somebody who you, that is who you love. That story is what you love the most. Why not send that person to come in to show you this is what this right. is a way to do it? That's a fun. He that's is, a love of the father. He, he is a good dad. He is. He is an awesome dad. So when can we expect to see or yes, <laughs> when should we expect to see um, hearing the voice of God made simple? OK, we're going to try to have that out by Thanksgiving. OK. Um, no guarantees. OK. But we're working on getting the chapters edited okay. and uh, you know, try to have that up by Thanksgiving. That would be awesome. Um, we're, we're taping Sid Roth. 
<gasps> in January. So we definitely have to have okay, it out Okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay, so can I get tickets to come and see you? Because I will drive to North Carolina. Taping for Sid Roth is January 27th. Okay, hold on. I'm writing it down. Okay, because I am coming. I am so coming. January 27th. Would, would love for you to be there. We can, you know, meet you. Heck yeah, cool. I'm there. Oh no, it's done. that's a done deal. I don't care what I have to yeah, do. Yeah, we've we've they, it, we were originally scheduled in December. Then they had some scheduling issues. They got really busy, and then we moved it to January seventh. And then they had other scheduling issues. And the producer said, "Hey, can't, are you open on January twenty seventh? And I'm like, "I'm totally there. Whatever date works for you." Absolutely. No, I'm pretty sure we're on January twenty seventh. Okay. For taping that. Yeah, we'll have to. We'll and, definitely have to make sure because uh, I'm coming. I'm definitely coming. I'll be sitting in the audience praying the entire time, saying, "Lord, send angels, <laughs> Lord." You're right, and they're gonna they're gonna be we're gonna be talking about the three books. So yes. I definitely have to have it available by then. Yes. But, It'll it'll definitely be be out. I think by December first. So that's a great probably. Christmas present for all you people who are wanting to get your loved ones something special. Right. Why well, not? And here's and here's the thing: hearing God's voice mm-hmm. is simple. Like I said, is going to be it's going to be the book that I'll write that had the broadest appeal of all the books in the Made Simple series. Mm-hmm. And if you have family who don't know God mm-hmm. and agnostics, atheists, whatever, or nominal believers who don't really know that they're hearing the voice of God, Mm -hmm. this is going to be a very, very good book for them because I invite those people into the conversation and I'm going to try to show them how God has already been speaking to them Mm. and how they just need to learn to recognize what he's saying. That's awesome. Um, So I'm hoping that a lot of people are going to recognize that dad has been speaking to them mm-hmm. and they just haven't really recognized it. And hopefully he, he will use it to bring a lot of people into the kingdom. That would be, that's wonderful. And I think um, I actually can see all three books being sold, you know, like in a, uh, in a three set series <laughs> package nicely for Christmas. Just saying, throwing that out there. <laughs> okay. We'll take that under advisement. <laughs> <laughs> Because I can actually see a nice little ribbon around all three. Because once you start to hear the voice of God, then you're going to want to start to lay hands and heal. And after you start right. laying hands on healing, you're going to need to be seeing things. So they kind of all... Mm-hmm. They, they do go together. They I, do. I consider these three to be kind of the foundational books yep. of the series. And mm-hmm. then the next three books are going to be advanced level books, if you want. Right. One is on traveling in the spirit. The other one will be on inner healing and deliverance. That's going to be a great and book. Then yeah. That, that'll be a good one. Yeah. And then uh, Power and Authority Made Simple. Ooh. I don't know that there's, I don't know how many people are going to have use for the Power and Authority Made Simple mm. book. It won't have as broad of an appeal as hearing God's voice. But I, I have noticed that there are a lot of people who don't really have a good handle on what power and authority are and how they're used. Right. So I particularly got inspired after listening to John Paul Jackson. See, I love uh, him. I just love him. I'm his so sad. revelation is mm-hmm. amazing. And yeah. he, I don't think he wrote a book on that. Uh, ooh, I have so to when I start, yeah. when I start writing the book on power and authority made simple, I am not going to seek okay. John Paul Jackson's revelation. Okay. But I am going to ask the Lord if there is something that John Paul wanted to impart to the church okay. in, in the way of a book that he didn't get to write. Okay. And if I if I get any revelation on that, I will definitely let you know. Yeah, because I, that's gonna I be, love him. Yeah, I know. 
so those are those are books for the future. And okay. Bogren, I'm gonna, I'm working on Bogren, mm-hmm. and uh, gosh, it's a novel, and I don't know how long it's going to take me to write the novel. But this is going to but this is going to really appeal. This is what I when when you first talked about Bogren. You actually, when I when I first heard it and you were talking about it, the first thing that I saw is, and I think I said this, is that it's like the Harry Potter for Christians because right. it's supernatural. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. You know, the Christians could could probably learn a lot from Harry Potter if they if they saw it with the right set of eyes. Right. But this book, I, I'm going to put it in a, in a language uh, I think that Christians can relate to, similar to how. Lewis, C.S. Lewis wrote Screw Tape. Right. He made it very clear these are demons. Right. These are demons. <laughs> and they are tormenting right. people. Right. And you know Don't and, feel bad for them. <laughs> and there are two there are two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of darkness and a right. kingdom of light. The book is going to be couched very much from that perspective. Right. Um but it's going to I'm going to talk a lot about um soul wounds and emotional wounds and uh, altars and fragments and how how people get emotionally traumatized and how demons take advantage of that stuff. Absolutely. And how, and how people who understand their authority and what power is can actually go in and defeat the enemy and uh, bring healing. And, and you're going to get to see from the spiritual world how all this stuff works. Are you also going to be incorporating like going to the throne room? Because I think oh, that absolutely. would be a great transition. Well, well, okay, I'll give you a little... <laughs> Have you, did you read any of the stories on Facebook that I put when I was posting them? No. Uh-uh. Back in, oh, because I, I posted like 15 installments of Bogren back in 2013 or whatever, before I got off Facebook. I, I posted No, because we only stories. became friends in 2014. So I oh, didn't okay. even know you. Well, I yes, I had written a bunch of short stories. The Bogren novel is based on a bunch of short stories I wrote on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I, I think there was 15 of them to start out with. They're all between 800 and 1,000 words each. Mm-hmm. And I was illustrating different principles. I was actually illustrating principles that Steve Harmon was teaching mm-hmm. on his Facebook page. Okay, He was starting to get into talking about inner healing and deliverance and some really crazy stuff like, why it's okay to torture demons. <laughs> <laughs> that's very and funny. People were, people were losing it. They're oh, like, so wait a funny. minute, torturing demons. What are you talking about? And he's like, yeah. So let me explain. I was like, let me explain. Oh, <laughs> so I, started writing, I started writing these stories where um, these, this one woman was really spiritually hip. She knew what was going on and she was going to go in, you know, explain. I was trying to illustrate some principles of inner healing and deliverance. And I was only going to write four or five little short stories. And people love these stories so much. They're like, you got to turn this into a novel. And I was like, no way, I'm not going to write a novel. I'm just, I'm just trying to illustrate some principles. And by the time I had 13 or 14 of these stories written, I was having people, there, there was like 70 people on Facebook who were asking me to tag them in the stories as I wrote the next one. So I was like, tagging and tagging and tagging people like crazy. And the response was huge. Everyone loved him. And I was like, but, but I don't want to write a novel. And I was like, no, 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 you got to write a novel. You got to keep going. I wrote a little cliffhanger at the end of every story. There's a cliffhanger. So you uh-huh. never knew what was going to happen next. Well, when I wrote these stories, people were so riveted and so fascinated. They're like, you've got to write a novel off of this. So the basic premise of the story is the main character 
is a woman who suffers from uh, depression and suicidal thoughts. And she, in the first scene, she kills herself, and then she goes into eternity, and she goes into heaven. She has an afterlife experience, and she has, through a life review of all of her life events, and she meets the Father, and she meets Jesus, and she meets all these different people and has all these experiences. At the same time that this is happening, her roommate down on the earth is trying to get her resurrected. Okay. Okay. So her roommate, in like uh, the 13th installment that I wrote on Facebook, her roommate ends up going to the court of heaven, is pleading in inter, uh, her case to get yeah. her roommate res- resurrected. Uh-huh. She meets her roommate coming out of the court of heaven. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so the woman who died meets her roommate coming out of the court of heaven, and the father is standing there. And the two of them look at each other, and the main character goes, what are you doing here? And her her roommate goes, I'm trying to raise your dead ass to <laughs> life or something. She uh-huh. storms out, and she goes into a portal and goes back down into the earth. Oh, that's so funny. The, these characters, m- much of the narrative and the scenes take place in the heavens. So they are learning to rule and reign. They're learning about th- uh, their thrones where they're seated in heaven the courts of heaven. They're talking to the wisdom. They're going to get in on the galactic council. There are going to be things in this novel that people are just going to go, oh my gosh, can we really do that? And the answer a lot is of yes. Stuff that Mike, yeah. A lot of stuff that Mike Parsons and Ian Clayton mm-hmm. and those guys have been talking about mm-hmm. are going to illustrate the principles of operating from the heavenly perspective in this novel. You're going to see what it looks like for people to actually do this. That's so cool. So these are some great books. So we have we have hearing hearing God's voice made simple, which which keeping our fingers crossed and saying a prayer is going to be coming out November twenty second. We already have that's the plan. That is the plan. We we have Bogren, which is yet to be determined, but should be coming out probably within, next year. I was going to say next year, maybe summer of next year. Okay, maybe that that would be a nice summer read. Oh, and I'm already declaring that it's going to be on the bestsellers list. I'm already declaring it <laughs> that you. it's going to be on the bestsellers list. New York Times bestsellers list. We also have Seeing in the Spirit Made Simple, which is available right now if you go to Amazon.com and you can pick it up in paperback or you can also get it in Kindle. There's also Divine Healing Made Simple. You can also find that. There's also two other books. So would you mind just, I know one of them is... Um, um, Emotional Healing in Three Easy Steps. Okay. And that's a Which Kindle, a, correct? Correct. That's, that's a Kindle. A Kindle. That mm-hmm. is a down and dirty emotional healing. Okay. That is simple but super duper effective on emotional trauma. Okay. And then there is um American Sniper. That's the one. Spiritual warfare. Yes, and that's about yeah. spiritual so warfare. So follows this follows the movie American Sniper, but if you haven't seen the film, it doesn't matter. Okay. Because I narrate the scenes of the film and tie them to dreams that the Lord has given me over the last eight years that depict spiritual warfare. And I basically teach on how the realities of spiritual warfare wow. and help illustrate things that we struggle with that we may not be aware of. Okay. So those are some so, great books. If you guys want to go out and get some books for, you know, Christmas, Christmas is just around the corner. So you can go out and you can surprise a loved one and teach them about the principles of what God wants us to do 
which is lay hands on the sick, make them well, to see in the spirit, to see things that God is trying to show and to hear his voice. That's for everybody. That's not for the few. And and you forgot my craziest adventures with God. Volumes one and two. Two, vo- two volumes. <laughs> That's and right. And the, the first one, you can get it on Kindle real cheap. It's yes. like $3 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a bunch of testimonies and stories of crazy cool stuff that God has done with me and my wife. Yes. It's just really encouraging. Because after you read those books, then you want to be like, okay, I want to go look at people do this. like this guy did. That's right. And anyone can do it. That's right. And volume three is coming and I'm going to be in volume three. I already, I already told Frank Maddox, <laughs> I am planning on being in volume three. I'm already declaring that. I'm putting it out there because, you know, our words have power. So <laughs> this has been so much fun. This has been such a joy for me. This has been, last time you were here, we was just so fantastic. And this has just been so fantastic to spend time with you, to to hear your stories, to hear your heart, to, to share the awesome things that God is doing. So if you guys want to check them out, um, Praying Medic, it's prayingmedic.com. Is that correct? Prayingmedic.com. Okay. So you guys could go to prayingmedic.com. You can find all of his books. You can also go to Amazon. Just uh, type in the search, Praying Medic. You'll find his books. You will see him on Sid Rothfitt's Supernaturals. I'll definitely be updating you guys on that because I'll be in the audience. And uh, there's movies to be made and there's more books to come. And there's just so much excitement being you. (laughs) <laughs> yep, God is doing some cool stuff, and I'm excited about it. He is. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Well, folks, that is our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for dropping by. If you're new to the podcast and you haven't been to my website, you might drop by and check out the articles I have there. If you have any questions or comments about the show, you can contact me at admin at prayingmedic.com. That's A-D-M-I-N at prayingmedic.com. You can also contact me on Facebook and Twitter. I'd like to thank you again for dropping by. I hope you enjoyed the show.